Morgan Zupan, our bass player, uh, she was uh, in the Dominican Republic last week. Uh, she, a couple weeks ago, we prayed for her, and we were just we're rejoicing that she came back safely. Yeah, her mom and dad are for sure, and we're rejoicing that she came back different. Like God did a, just an amazing work in her heart and just uh, did some incredible things. And we hopefully have the opportunity eventually to be able to see some pictures and just kind of about her, her um, story when she went. She went with her classmates on a mission trip there to share the love of Jesus with some little children in the orphanage and different places in the Dominican. So great to have her back. Well, this morning we have a special guest that's going to come and speak to you. I want to uh, just give a quick, uh, quick intro. Uh, he's a lover of Jesus. He's a husband. He's a father. He's an educated educator. He's got doctor in front of his name, which means he's obviously put some work in. He's the principal of this school, which is pretty exciting. And I told him earlier, I said, I really think you're like the pastor of this school. You're pastoring your sheep here. He's a man that I believe is in, is in the right place at the right time. And we probably wouldn't be sitting here today if it wasn't for the fact that he is in this place. He's one guy that I truly look up to, not just because he's a snappy dresser. You'll see when he walks out here. Everyone, please welcome Dr. Chad Sayer. Well, thank you, Brady. I appreciate that. And uh, you definitely always humble me when I speak to you. But uh, yeah, I'm the guy who dresses in a suit. Um, as soon as Brady walked around the corner this morning, I was like, oh boy. Um, I'm the guy that doesn't belong, obviously. But uh, just a little bit about me, um, as I set up here. Um, I was born in Chicago. I grew up in southwest Missouri. Um, I had a wonderful stepfather in my life, and he brought Jesus to me. And um, through him in my life, um, I was able to... Um, my stepdad was a worship minister. Um, he, he traveled around southwest Missouri and, uh, and did a lot of music. Um, and my grandfather was a, a, a church planner. He was a pastor, started over 60 churches, was in, the, was in the ministry for 70 years, if you can believe that, actually started churches in Cuba. Um, what that tells you is my pedigree is Southern Baptist, so I have to, um, I'm going to kind of go through some things here. Um, so you kind of know where I'm coming from. But Brady called me a couple months ago and asked me to speak on the uh, helmet of salvation, and, and um, I was honored and nervous, and uh, I was just uh, explaining to my father-in-law and Brady yesterday that I've spoken in this place quite a few times, and uh, for some reason, um, speaking God's word to a group of people really gets you nervous. So that's where I'm at this morning, so any prayers would be appreciated, but um, I'm going to take a little side path this morning about the helmet of salvation. The Lord has blessed me to be a father of three, and um, let's just say I am very well versed in the world of princesses. Um, I remember the day I took my girls to a movie, um, it was AMC down, uh, down on Berry Road, and uh, just a movie came out I never heard of, I didn't really know much about it, but I knew it was a must-see in my house. Um, being a father of three and a school principal, um, I get an opportunity to meet a lot of kids, but um, God gives me the opportunity to see what kind of resonates with young girls. Um, it's just kind of a position I've been in life and through my personal life and my professional life. And this is a movie, there's a scene, um, I believe is an example of what this influence could be in a, in a young girl's daily life. And in my home, what we call these influences are called little God winks. You know, those little winks from God um, that you just kind of never expect, but they're just there. Um, that's a way for him to ever know that we're present in his life. And so I was in this theater, I was watching this movie, and I had this little God wink to me. If you've not heard of this movie, 
it's, it's, it, you know, I understand that. I don't know where you've been, but um, it, it, to date it's grossed about $1.2 billion. Um, having had the PowerPoint, I would actually show you a little clip from the show. Um, but really what it is, this movie called Frozen. In this scene, in, in, in this movie in Frozen, there's this, there's this scene where the, Anna goes to this, these rock trolls to, to um, she's been stung by ice in her, in her, in her life, and, um, and it hits her in the head. And this troll, his response to him basically says, um, you were lucky it was not her heart. The heart is not so easily changed, but the head can be persuaded. And I was sitting in the movie theater, and I had my daughter on my lap, and one on my left, and, and I started resonating as, wow, what does that mean in my life? It was that little Godwink that stuck me. Again, he said, you were lucky it was not her heart, because the heart is not so easily changed, but the head can be persuaded. What a powerful statement from a little troll made of limestone, let's be honest with you. I mean, but the question is, what this, what this troll really challenged me to think about is, do we believe this is true, and what does God think about this? Does the heart influence the mind, or does the mind influence the heart? And you can even break that down even a little further. What does this mean for our living out God's life on our own, in our own will? In times of challenge, temptation, and fear, how do we keep our minds protected and shielded from the devil's work in our lives? How do we serve as God's ambassadors, knowing that living in faith will create challenges and battlefronts, both in the spiritual and in the secular? So if, if the mind can control the body, what does that look like in our daily lives? And I think that talks about the helmet of salvation and why that is one of the most important parts of the armor of God. I do believe the Lord has presented us an answer to this in Ephesians 6, uh, 6 um, t verses 10 through 17. You certainly can turn there in your Bible, Ephesians 6, uh, verses 10 through 17. And I'll read this to you. I actually had this on the slide, but we'll go ahead. Because um, I don't usually like to read things, but I'll read it to you this morning. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on your full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And lastly, take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of spirit, which is the word of God. Thank you, Jesus, for those wonderful words, because we all know about the armor of God. But what does the Bible tell us about the mind specifically? And this goes to Ephesians six seventeen. The Lord instructs us to take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Like everything in God's word, there's such rich meaning and significance if you just go right beyond the page. You know, such a short sentence. What a powerful word. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. 
I believe this scripture points out three significant ramifications for the Christian in their walk. That one little sentence really points out three things. I'm going to share them with you. If you want to write them down, that's fine. I would have had them up. But number one, salvation is a daily choice for those who heed the call. Let me repeat that. Salvation is a daily choice. Number two, we cannot put on the helmet of salvation and expect not to get called to action. Thank you, brother. Southern Baptist right there. (laughs) We cannot put on the helmet of salvation and expect not to get called into action. And the last thing, while there are many types of helmets in the world today, there's only one of salvation. I received my undergraduate degree from William Jewell College, and one of the classes it required me to take was Bible Literature and Religious Studies. One of the key takeaways from that first semester class was, other than the misery of they didn't have air conditioning at Hill Hall at that time, um, was that I learned that the Bible always said more than what's written on the page. And with that in mind, let's take a deeper look at what these words say. First, it is clear that God is giving all of us the daily choice of salvation, all the Holy Spirit we need to live our lives every day. The helmet of salvation is a choice that God has given to us. And how do we know that? Take a look at what it said. It's very purposeful in its work. What's the first word it uses? Take. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. What does this tell us as Christians walking in this walk of faith? Is that God gave this to us. It was always there. It's been there all time. It's nothing we can earn. We obviously don't deserve it. Salvation can only be given by Jesus. But most importantly, it's always there. And all we need to do is just take it. Thank you, Jesus, for that. The blood of Jesus was spilled so that our salvation was promised each and every day. So how do we know we have the Lord's salvation? We can put the armor on knowing that we are heading into battle. That's the salvation I'm talking about. The salvation knowing that, you know what, God's going to protect me because I have his atonement on me and I'm going to go into battle every day. I'm only speaking for me. This is my experience. But my armor is an assault every day. Every morning with my mindset, first of all. In every moment, I have a choice. With every person, I have a relationship to build. And with every situation, I can bring in God's love. But it always starts with a choice. I can put on the helmet of salvation and be the light in the darkness. Or I can simply choose not to. God gave us that choice. But he's also very clear on living a life of salvation. Think about what God's saying here. He's asking us to take the helmet of salvation. Taking the Holy Spirit is just like anything else. It's a choice. But what separates God's salvation from everything else? Is it his love and salvation? Is something always present? It's not given. We just have to make that choice. 
picking up and placing salvation if you choose to make that choice. It's a blessing. It's a promise of a new path. It's that comfort in pain. It's that confidence in conflict and the courage in chaos. But only if you allow Jesus' salvation and his compassion into your life. Take a look at that armor on my right here. Probably your left. My right. Um, You can see the importance of armor. But think about that. If your daily life is a choice, think of how important the helmet of salvation becomes to you. But what also we know is that God didn't let us off that easy. The Father is asking us to walk in his path and not our own. So then why do we put on the helmet of protection? I mean, if I got... I mean, seriously. If I'm walking in God's purpose, what could go wrong? I gave my life to the big man upstairs who created the universe and was there before space and time. Why would I need this protection? Let me show you what this looks like in my life. I get out of the bed in the morning and lying on the floor every day is this crazy, smashed-up, battle-worn armor. It's not the armor that you think about. You see in movies or whatnot, polished, bright, you know, in the sun, it twinkles in the sky. The armor that I see at my feet every morning, it's battle-worn. It's beat up. It's not because God doesn't give me the best. He gives me what I need. But he also recognizes that, guys, this is a dirty business. We are in battle. There's no room for cleanliness. It's a spiritual warfare. So what this does is the Holy Spirit, I imagine the Holy Spirit leaning into my ear, and every morning he commands me to do this. And by all means, I do not mean to uh, try to speak for, for the good Lord Jesus, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pretend here. He's going to tell me, he says, Chad, our front lines are under attack. We've lost major ground in your area by brokenness, addiction, abandonment, and abuse. You obviously need the Lord every day, Chad, but the Lord also needs you. No matter what happens, follow the Lord's instructions, and he will always have your back. He will always love and protect you. He will always protect his soldiers. Don't ever forget that. So I look at this armor, you know, it's all beat up, it's kind of strong on my floor. Every day I have this conscious choice. I start putting the gear on. I put the metal plates, I put the chain mail, I put the helmet on, these crazy boots. I got this large shield in my left hand. And then the fog starts lifting from my mind. You know that fuzziness you got in the morning, the first thing. And what do I start seeing? I have this armor on. I know the Lord's got my back. But what I start realizing is that there's chunks of metal missing. There's dents everywhere on this. There's scorch marks. There's possibly even some blood stains on this armor. And as that fog starts fading, you can tell what my realization is. <laughs> you know, I find myself saying every morning, like, oh, Lord, what in the world am I going to face today? Because what I'm seeing in front of me right now is very frightening. What is going to happen today that I need this ultimate battle armor that has obviously seen some battles? The Holy Spirit then talks to me again. He says, Chad, prepare for the battle. You are on the 14,924th tour 
and the war for your heart, mind, and soul, along with all your brothers and sisters. So what's my response? I put the helmet of salvation on. I say, okay, Lord, i got to be honest with you. I'm totally freaked out the way this is starting this morning. But can I just have a pass today? There are some days where I actually sit there and say, man, could I just have a pass today? I really, I do have some vacation times left. We as administrators, we never use our, our, all our vacation days. I'll just a little secret. But so I always have some in the bank, but I'm like, you know, can I just use one today? Can I just stay in bed, Lord? What does the Lord say? Of course. He says, that's a choice you make. But the last thing that the Spirit hands me is the sword of truth. The blade is old, it's seen many battles, it's been under attack for thousands of years, it's no different than any other sword that any of us are carrying in this room. But, my, but I know that the Lord is with me because I know that the alloy that created that sword is pure from the tang to the tip. Because it was created by Jesus. I now know that my armor is tight. The helmet of salvation on my head is secure. And the sword of the Spirit is in my hand. The Lord has prepared me for action. He doesn't allow these things in your life. He would never put us, prepare us for battle if we weren't ever to go step on that field. That's why we have to take another look at Ephesians 6, especially in verse 17. Again, to that shared that statement. It shares. Look at that statement. It shares the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. Nowhere else in that previous passage, when highlighting the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the feet on the ground of the gospel, are two items linked together. These two items were woven together like fabric. We know God's word is perfect, so why did that happen? Why do you think Paul linked these two parts of the armor of God with each other. The helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit. This comes to my second point. I believe that the helmet of salvation is linked to the sword of truth in this passage because God intended his people to be of action. Remember all of his... Remember, it is all over his words, but in 1 John 1.15, he instructs us, excuse me, 1.5, instructs us to be the light in the darkness. You can't be the light in the darkness without going into action. You can't go into action without the armor of God. So if God's going to put armor in your life, he's calling you to action. The apostle wrote about this in 1 Thessalonians 5, 4 through 11. If you want to turn your Bible there, that's perfectly okay, 1 Thessalonians 5. But I'm going to read it to you real quick. It says, But you, brothers and sisters, are not in the darkness, so that this day could surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and the children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness, so then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who are asleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. For those who sleep, excuse me, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. 
Therefore, encourage each other and build each other up, just as the fact is you were doing. What God, what Paul was writing there as he was talking to is the early church, and what he was saying is he was talking to a bunch of unmature believers who were doing good things, but he also recognized, Paul talked to this church, recognized that danger would increase only other time. All the time, the danger for these people increased. So he said, you need the armor of God. Paul never said, just pull yourself up by the bootstraps. It's going to be okay, you just got to do it. He knew that ultimately, that God needed to inspire change. And that God was the ultimate. God was the ultimate protector for these people. God doesn't protect you unless he gives you a mandate for action. There's a movie clip, again, I like to use movie clips a lot. I think it's a way to kind of get uh, you know, kids to relate to some of the content. But um, there's a movie clip that, ma- that referenced in my head to think of how God would talk to me. He would tell me this in person. I don't know if you've seen the clip from the new, uh, it's an older movie, it's called Man of Steel. It's the, new, the newest Superman movie. There was a preview once. Um, I was going to show it to you. But what he talks about is, he's talking to his, it's, it's, it's Superman's father. He's talking to him on earth, and he's talking about his purpose. Why are you here? And Superman's father tells him that you've been given great gifts, but comes great responsibility. He told Superman that You can be the light in the darkness because you're a child of light. But in order to do that, you have to get people to follow you. And they're going to stumble. These people on earth, the earthling, they're going to stumble and they're going to fall and they're going to fall short. But that's where you're able to pick them up. And through you, they can do great things. And that resonated with me because, you know, I'm... I'm not into this secular thing, but when I saw something like that, again, it was another God wink in my life. I thought, wow, what if that's what God tells us every day? That's what he's telling us in this passage. Be the light. You've been given the tools. Now a call for action. The helmet of salvation is ever-present in our lives. It is our protection from Satan's continual attack and thoughts on our minds but it's also God's gift to us. But God is also clear in his passage. You cannot have the helmet without the sword. Those two are linked. God has put the necessary means at our feet every morning to fulfill our promise. But this is what was really said in that video clip I was just sharing you. God has given you an ideal to strive for. They will race behind you. They will stumble, they will fall. But in time, they will join you in the sun. And in time, you will help them accomplish wonders. And at the end of this clip, you see Superman. There's no sound, he's not saying anything. You see where he goes. And in this clip, you see him go to heaven. He's just flying as fast as he can, Mach 50, up to the, just up to the heavens. You don't even know where he goes. That was such a powerful moment for me. Because I think this passage relates to, to that in my life. 
But I think there's a third point. Again, the three things that I believe here. The helmet of salvation is a choice. It's a call for action. And the last one is, there's only one right helmet of salvation. To illustrate this point, you've got to go back to the historical context of Paul. When I talk about there's only one right helmet. Scholars at the time believed that Paul started writing the church around 60 AD when he wrote this, when he wrote this scripture. Paul was encouraged by the early church, but he was also sharing that they needed the God to protect them. In that time, the very most dominant, clear military preference, excuse me, presence at that time was the Roman Empire. That was the main one. The second one was the Greek Empire. So and help us to understand what Paul was trying to say, and he's talking about the armor of God, we have to go back to that, that time period. At this point, I'd show up two screens. All right? I'd show you two helmets, a Greek helmet and a Roman helmet. Let me describe to you what you're seeing here. This is me kind of flying on the, going on a whim here, so please bear with me here. The Greek helmets, and, and you're going to have to kind of play along here. If you think of a Greek helmet, kind of what you've seen in, in maybe cartoons or in the movies, the Greek helmet was a full helmet. It was one piece of metal. had two eyes in it, probably a slit for, for their nose breathing and a little slit for their talking. It was one giant helmet. Sometimes it had little wings coming off the top of it. Uh, but that was a Greek helmet. Uh, covered the entire head. Uh, it had little bitty ports for the ears. Um, some of the challenges with the Greek helmet was this. They had no peripheral vision. It was hard to breathe and talk. Very hot, hard to hear. Couldn't even turn their head. They couldn't turn their heads. Made of a single piece of metal, which made them hard to manufacture. And ultimately, overall, they had very little strategic technology. This was in 60 AD. Really what the Greek helmet was designed for was protection. Think about that, protection. When you go into battle, um, you're going to see why that's maybe not such a good thing. Because then you're going to look, take a look at the screen, which is not there, but Roman helmet. Let me tell you about a Roman helmet. Roman helmets are a little different. You gotta kinda, you, you've seen these, but you've got to picture them. They have a very open face. You see, they have those... Um, you know, those pieces that come down the side and they're able to tie right here. You know what I'm talking about? Big openings for the ears. Had big open face. Um, the point being is that that helmet was very strategic. It was able, they were able to do so much more on the battlefield with that type of helmet than the Greek helmet. The Roman helmet was designed for one thing. It was designed for efficiency in brutal combat. Let me give you an example. On a Roman helmet, there's one thing that really shows the difference. A Roman helmet has a little, looks like a visor or a bill. They're not for rain, they're not for sun. What that bill was designed to do is when it, a, a, a sword strikes a Roman soldier in the head, what does that bill do? Pushes it off to the side. Makes it shear off the left or the right, so as they're getting struck, it doesn't, it doesn't go into their head. A Roman, or a Greek helmet, did not have that function. So the Romans quickly knew as you just bonk them on the heads and, and, and it's over. A Roman soldier was very different. So the Roman helmet was the superior military technology. So this is what Paul is seeing. He's writing about the armor of God and he's seeing the Romans and he's seeing the Greeks 
Romans are dominating. What this means for this mini-history lesson here in Ephesians 6.17, let me kind of wrap this up. Even in Paul's time, there was one helmet that was more superior to the others. The Greek helmet did provide good protection, but it required a passive fighting style. If you're wearing a Greek helmet, you're not going into battle, you're defending, you're standing there, you're passive. The Roman military was different. Their helmets gave them the ability to spread their influence through superior technology. And in other words, their helmets alone were not the key to the ancient world, but the right helmets were. Let me repeat that. What we learned from this and what Paul was seeing is that helmets were important, but more important is the right helmet. There's a great example of having the right helmet, and it goes back to Jesus in Matthew 4, where it talks about his temptation in the wilderness. And I, I think we have all know those stories, but long story short, you know, Jesus went battle. He went toe-to-toe with Satan. This was after 40 days and 40 nights of fasting and praying. So the devil knew he was in a weakened state. He knew he was hurting. So Satan, being just the master deceiver, knew he was weak and could attack him. But what did Jesus do? Now, Jesus didn't need the armor of God. He was the son of, he was the son. Of the, he was the son. He was the, but what he did do is he modeled that for us. Because what did he do? Every single time the devil attacked him, and I think of that Roman helmet. You know, Satan was coming after him. Jesus used the word. He used his mind. He used the scripture that was in his heart to defend himself. That is amazing. I have a whole, you can read that story. You can look at his response to what he said. Um, I'm not going to go there this morning. But what this showed us is this. One of them, not only did Jesus defend himself when God said, or when the devil said, if you're truly a son of God and you're hungry, make those stones into bread, what was, God's, what was Jesus' response? He said, man doesn't live by bread alone. It says that in the scripture. He was defending himself, but he also came back with a quick stab with the tr- sword of truth. So you see this battle going on and on in this passage. But one really kind of stood out to me. It was the second part, I think, where he talks about the devil took Jesus to the top of the city and ordered himself to throw himself down to prove that the angels would save him from harm. What was Jesus' response? He says, it's also written, do not put the Lord God to your test. Right there, Jesus was being threatened to his life. And what I visually think about that is that literally the devil, and I don't know this, this is just my interpretation, but the devil had him literally 500 feet above. He was the son of, he was also God and man. Because the devil t- threatened him and said, if you're truly the son of God, fall. Let yourself go, fall. Because the angels are going to save you. Jesus' response with the helmet of salvation and his sword of truth said, do not put your Lord God to the test. Jesus uses these ar- this armor in a very powerful way. 
but it didn't come without a price. It didn't come without a price to Jesus. And how do we know that? Take a look at that last verse in the Matthew 4 story. Jesus needed every ounce of his Father's grace and love to survive that battle. Jesus came out victorious, but even the Son of God was left suffering for his faith. Look at the verse, the final verse. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. The battle took a great toll on him. He needed the armor. He needed, this, the, he needed God's salvation. He needed that protection from his father in order to survive that battle, even the Son of God. You've got to have the right helmet. I don't know if I could go toe-to-toe. With, if the devil was to come right here, he would know me so well. I would have to rely so much on my father's love and so much on my father's faith that even my human beingness, I might fail. Because the crazy thing is, Jesus was able to do that, but it came at a tremendous toll to him. You've got to have the right helmet on because I see kids coming into this building every day and students... I see some students who are very strong, very, very, very rigid and, 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 and ultimate protection. Then I see some that have littler, not as well developed, and they easily get swayed. You've got to have the right helmet. Jesus had it. He's given it to us, but it's a choice that we have to do every day. You see, as I sat there in that theater, one girl on my lap, the other one on my hip, I found myself agreeing with this giant 15-foot rock troll. The heart is a very powerful gateway to our soul. But the mind is too important, and it always must be protected. It can be easily persuaded by so many influences in modern society. That is why the God... That is why... The armor of God is more important than ever, especially for our young people today. Putting on the helmet of salvation is a choice that we make every day. We can seek protection of our minds from many false ideals and lies, but there's only one true God. Thus, there's only one true helmet of salvation. God is going to continue to call us to action. We must always be prepared for battle. I just want to thank you. Thank you for your time. If you allow me to just pray. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for the day you've given us, that you've given us your promise, you gave us your son, Lord. We thank you so much. We are so not worthy of your salvation, but yet you give it to us every day. Lord, give us the strength, give us the courage, the wisdom, so that we can take arms every day and go into battle because a Christian 
It's not a passive lifestyle. Lord, we just pay protection, especially for our young people today in this place, school coming up. We know that they need the armor of God like everybody else, Lord. But that's our heart, that's our calling to you today. Lord, thank you for your opportunity that we're able to get together in such a wonderful place. And Lord, thank you so much for Brady and his leadership. And thank you again, God, that you give us salvation. Amen. As we finish up with our worship time, yeah, give Dr. Sayer a hand. I'm going to have uh, I'm going to have him come and stand here and I want to ask anyone who feel called to to come and let's pray for him specifically because the battle is about ready to begin uh, full on school's getting ready to start and so if you feel led to do that come on up and then also this morning if you are here this morning and need prayer for anything that's why we have this time at the end for you to come and maybe you say man I need to put on the armor of God I need to put my faith in Jesus and that's what we'd be here for so just uh, yes ma'am my wife has a yeah, Chad, come on up here. Just, and so just anybody else feels called to come and pray with him as we worship together. Let's do that. All right. Well, thank you so much for being in worship today. We are excited about the school year getting ready to start and what an opportunity we have. Hey, next week, if you are a teacher, please, please be here next week. We have a gift and a, just a blessing for you. We want to just get the school year started off right. And so we're inviting teachers to come and be a part of that. This, uh, we have an opportunity to give uh, the offering. We always do that at the end of our service. And so this morning as you're leaving, we ask that you'd place a gift in the offering basket if you came prepared to do that. Let me just pray for that and we'll, we'll, we'll be done here. God, thank you so much for the gift of a man who is called to, to love you and to lead this school. God, I do pray protection for him because as soon as you stand up and you're willing to say I'm in the battle, then the, the, enemy, the enemy comes full force. And so I just pray protection over him, over his family. God, I thank you that you've called him here at the right time, at this right place. God, right now we just pray a blessing upon this offering that people are able to give, that it, it, we'd sow it into this community and we'd reach people with the truth, with the knowledge of who Jesus is so they can put on the armor too and we can all fight together. We just praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.